Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try to elevate the conversation. I'm Andrew Peek, and with me are Jackie and Thais. Hi. Hello. We're at episode 78. 78. Yeah, we'll be at 100 it. so soon. And We're then 200. We're getting out there. Yeah. And then 300. It's always That's so right. exciting when the end of the year approaches and you're I like, oh, how many episodes have been knocked out? Yeah, we're knocking them out. I've had the windows open all day. It's great. That's Florida, December. Oh. Like, it's like 72 right now with the breeze. So it, oh, that's perfect. maybe I'll have to close them later and put the AC I'm on. I'm so jealous. I, <laughs> I ran my little one out to go to the setters and it was one of those things trying to get a coat and a hat and a blanket oh, on like, yeah. you know, one-year-old. It's like, I, I look, I look back, the hat's off. She's the shoes are off. I'm like, Oh geez. Yeah. That's hard. I don't think we even did coats when our son was one. We did like those big wrap around, like you just stuff them yes. into like a sleeping bag <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Blanket. yeah, exactly. I have a really cool way. I saw how to do the coat. Cause they, you know, you car seat safety. Mm-hmm. I've put hers on. It's like a really thick sweater almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'll put her in and then I put her arms oh, in like and then backwards. put the coat on. Yeah. 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 So you can just so take it off awesome. in the car seat. She learned to kind of start grabbing the sleeves and pulling. I was like, oh geez. Get this off of me, mom. I'm hot. Oh man. All right. Let's do some story time. So it was Black Friday. Jackie, I think you had a story about Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Yes. Okay. So Black Friday shopping I think majority of us, if not all of our fans, listeners can agree that that is like our hot shopping day. That is for me personally. I look for all the good deals, Christmas shopping. And something that I was curious about, because this is something I dealt with when I was online. For Black Friday, I went to the websites in my go-to places where I get things. Mm-hmm. Target, you know, whether it's some clothing places. I was curious if you both, with certain deals that were put out there, if you stayed within brands that you normally shop or if something else caught your eye, whether it's like a lower price or a store that had a better percentage off. What did you guys have any of that? So I have a confession. I don't shop on Black Friday. (gasps) I know. I shop on Cyber Monday, but I don't shop on Black Friday. They're getting muddy, like it's getting like just blended together. Well, it is. Well, and that's the whole reason because usually on Black Friday, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and I'm usually like in Florida with my family, and we Mm -hmm. go out and do like something out in the world that's fun. We have a four year old. So I'm never like in front of a computer on Black Friday. I'm never like I avoid shopping. I avoid people on Black Friday. Yes. And so like I never get to it on Black Friday. Mm -hmm. But I always know that come Cyber Monday, like the deals will be (laughs) just as good. And it's not just Cyber Monday because actually I think I even skipped Cyber, Cyber Monday. I just there are deals the whole week. Yeah, and so I agree. I don't rush. And, you know, I probably miss out on some stuff, but I don't rush on Black Friday. I think it's more like certain places have like those door busters. Like for me, Black Friday, I don't leave. I'm with you, Tice. Like I don't go out more or less to the stores. My Black Friday shopping is more or less like Cyber Monday. I'm online. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing this, which I love, especially now having a little one and you don't get the perk of going out on Thursday night at 10 (laughs) or whenever they open. It's awesome that a lot of stores like Target or Kohl's, they are offering the same deals that are in store that you can just get online. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I've noticed that too, a lot of places, certain brands, they carry their sales. Like you said, they're starting to say, you know, we care about our workers and we're going to have these same deals for four days. Yeah. The Black Friday to Monday, Tuesday. It makes sense. It's where we're going, right? As far as more, more digital. I agree. I think I'm, I, I don't shop I've never shopped, I don't think, Black Friday in person. I'm also not a very impulsive buyer. Like I take a long time to buy things that are usually higher priced. If I want a TV and there's some TV on sale Black Friday, I'm like, well, it's probably not like the best one or no one I would no want. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I, ta- I, I just can't be rushed. I did venture out of brands and I did mm-hmm. make some purchases from like, okay, I'm in Florida. I only wear shorts year round pretty much. Yeah. I need some more gym shorts, whatever. And oh. usually I'd go with like these two or three brands. I'm like, well, let me look at Reebok. And they had like crazy sales, which was really interesting. So I picked up a few there and then a few other brands that I did shop that would not be normal. 
So I went looking, but I had like a category of what I was looking for. Okay. Um, but apparel is different than like a tech purchase. Interesting. Yeah, how about you, Andrew? Any? Yeah, any I got a um. I, this is a new story that I I'm like, oh, do I bring this up? But it's interesting. So there's this I forgot his first name, but his his internet name is Shonduras. And Jackie, your husband might know him because he owns an esports team called Space Station. Oh, so he's a okay. gamer, right? And so mm-hmm. somehow it came up. My kids watch like there's Ryan's Story View on YouTube, and this does relate back to market and home builder. I, I promise. <laughs> so here's he's this gamer. He was also the first person if you research this guy like who became famous from snapchat which is weird like he wasn't famous before snapchat say like dj khaled who went on snapchat and kind of like blew it up yeah he started on snapchat became famous then he did the sports the esports gaming team so now he has his youtube channel that's family focused but he has his home and you're like you're watching this all these videos and it's like his backyard his family if you have kids like you might be familiar with like Ryan's story view, and it's just you're just kind of living with this family. They're doing things, and there there's ads built into it. But kids love it, right? My mm-hmm. two year old, four year old, seven year old sit yeah. there and just watch it all day long, versus like normal quote normal television that's produced by big companies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so this guy has his home. It's in Utah. It looks like any Utah builder home, except there's custom things about it. But I'm like, how perfect would it be if like he somehow plugged the builder name? Say if it was like Ooh. a national builder, this would be, oh, yeah. it would be hard if it's like a local regional, but if it's like a bigger name, cause he has this, he has like a five part series about his home. Cause there's all these That's little custom cool. quirks to it. So it's, it's not, it is a very nice home, but it's not, it's not like super, super fancy. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, it's not just like, Oh gosh, yeah. that's, that's insane. I'm sure it was like, you know, 600, 700s, but that's right. just because it's, it's bigger. But does he give yeah. a tour of it? Like, do yeah, you get he has to actually like probably two or three hours on it on the home? And my kids have watched the whole thing. Like every <laughs> single video. I'm like, what is this? I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, this show cribs. That's the thing for the it's it's like cribs, but it's like so detailed. <laughs> yeah, and it just goes back to the idea. Like Kevin talked about at the summit, like the the bingeable content. Like I think people when oh, they're yeah. producing, they're like, well, people really watch this, sit down and watch it. And it's like, yeah, they will. Like. If it's on YouTube and you got like these, like say they're fifteen minute videos and they're and they're segmented or about a core topic, like oh that's fifteen minutes just on the backyard, and then here's mm-hmm. another fifteen minutes on like the play area, and you just keep going and going and going, and they'll just watch it. People would watch it. I think people would watch it, especially those shorter, like those fifteen minute breakdown ones, and the fact they start right after another. I feel like I get down into those rabbit holes, and it, you're kind of like invested in the personality of the person giving the video. Mm-hmm. Along with like what they're actually showing, but it's not like they're produced like like the, they have a someone doing the, the recording for them, so all the whole family is on like the recording for the video. But I'm like, this is not that complicated if you were a builder. It's influencer marketing. Yes, that's all it is. Because I've thought about that concept too, like how home builders are using or not using influencer marketing. When I worked yes. for the marketing directors, we marketed and sold condominiums. So high rise mm-hmm. condos in Atlanta. So we were constantly partnering with like celebrity chefs who would come in and like cook in our kitchen. We would host parties for like well-known political figures or, you know, entertainment figures. And that's all a form of like influencer marketing. But even like today on like Instagram, like these, of course, an Instagram influencer is not going to say which community they live in. But like you said, if it were a larger home builder. And they got some content around like the home builder and the type of home they had without revealing like location or anything like that. So true. Because mm-hmm. I, I know I, I have a handful of my go-to Instagram influencers. I love you look for home things, or, mm-hmm. uh, fashion. And that's so true. They somehow had some integration with that. Yeah. And said, I built with XYZ home builder. You know, right. imagine the impact that they could that could yeah. have. Even just the whoever it is, like just kind of pushing, like, "Hey, I built a new home," versus mm-hmm. an existing, just creating that because yeah, it's yeah, exactly. back to like where that person, like, I want to be in this school zone or this yep. area. It might not fit that exact builder, but if influencers were pushing, like, "Hey, we built this new home. It's great. Like, there's no toenails in the carpet, whatever exactly. it may be," <laughs> you know, that type of thing, where you're like, "Oh, I've never really thought about that." Onto some news. News, news, news. We have a few social updates, three in a row. So we'll just kind of, we'll buzz right through them. But Instagram likes are going to be gone. Yeah. They've released their (laughs) pilot program in the U.S. to do away with likes. 
I'm not going to post anymore. Why would I post anything? <laughs> well, users won't be able to see how many likes a post has gotten, but as the account holder, you will still be able to see how many likes or as the business, you can still see how many oh, likes, but good. to the user scrolling through, they won't be able to see how many likes a post has. And it's so. still in pilot. So it's not like it's, it's pushed out to everybody. That's right. Are yeah. they doing certain areas first? They're just kind of doing semi-targeting. That's a good question. I don't think the article said like how they're rolling it out. I know they've done other countries. They've done the like mm-hmm. AB testing over there. And I get torn a little bit on what I think about this. I could understand why influencers or certain people that really base their content off of a like. But I know that is something we preach so much about that having that rich content consistently and not you know having it Well, there are other ways to measure engagement, even from like a a business perspective. If you have Mm -hmm. an Instagram account, like comments, not tags, what do you used to call when you save a post, like that sort of thing. Oh, the saves. Yeah, the saves, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So there's, and again, as the account holder, you can still see how many likes. So you'll still be able to compare posts and see which type of content is performing. If anything, I think this is just raising the bar like having that higher expectation goals for you as the account holder and trying to get, I think having a great idea in mind is having more interaction with your followers, whether it's based off generating people to comment or leave an emoji or shares, just trying to get more of that engagement. All right. Next one, Twitter begins testing tweet scheduling via twitter.com. So before you would have to use a third-party software to schedule tweets. And now you can schedule them on Twitter. I think nice. that's I'm actually, top, right? I'm excited about this. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, it's nice to have the option, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Facebook has always had it. Facebook has had it. And for Twitter, I have used, I use Buffer. And it gives me no problems with scheduling out posts on Twitter. But every now and then, like when I'm like on other platforms, like LinkedIn, when I'm using Buffer to schedule on LinkedIn, sometimes there's a breakdown. And uh, it doesn't post. So it's nice to be able to do it directly at on the platform for whatever reason. I agree. Skipping that one step, that middleman. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I'm just having like high expectations with this. I'm surprised it's now... Taking this long? <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I, you know, having that already on Facebook in place. And uh, this will be, like you said, just such a nice, uh, you know perk of just being able to go into one place and have it all there. So yeah, exactly. My only saltiness is there's been a few times where I'm up early because I think most people know I get up early because I'm a weirdo and I'm like, Oh, look, that dude's up. Like he just, he just posted. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, yeah. and, you know, cause it's Twitter. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be quick. And <laughs> like, and this is why I'm kind of not, not really on Twitter much anymore. And I'm like, okay, no response. Forget this. I'm like, you jerk. Like, you are not even, you schedule that post and you're not up at 5 a.m. For personal accounts, I get, this is what we like businesses. It's something to consider if you're using your personal versus your your business account. I think business accounts can get away with it a little bit more. I agree. Especially if we're updating and, you know, that sort of thing, just sending announcements. But for interaction, one-to-one personal use, it is something to think about. All right. And one more. This one I I think is really cool. So Pinterest, what do they they call this? Pinterest lens. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, if you remember back to what was Zillow's, their Zillow camera, not what's the name of that? Where you could put a picture up of a kitchen and Zillow's AI can analyze it and be like, oh, this is quartz versus granite. Essentially the same thing. So you could put Pinterest Mm -hmm. update with image search and then it could figure out what everything is in the image. Which I like is really it. Cool. I think this whole technology is too. cool and just creates a huge demand for even better photos. Yep. Um, for all of our builders and just having not only better photos but more photos that are searchable. Something you said is having if if a builder has a design center, why not utilize Pinterest to have the design center? Whether you have a coordinator there, someone that could jump on and help have a little Pinterest couple boards created for people, almost oh, as yeah. like inspiration. Featuring mm-hmm. the products you have at the design center and kind of combining them into a board so people who struggle with decorating or seeing anything without it be, you know, right in front of them. It, that I think would help so many people. It's a perfect intern job if you don't want, if the yeah. most yeah. Yeah, design studio coordinators are, are quite busy. And so just, I'm sure there is a huge demand for an intern, like, to be able to get in there, like, as far as someone who'd want to intern at a design studio. Yeah. 
Man, Again. this sounds like a fun project for, I, I just love doing something do like that. Like, <laughs> Sign me up. Spare time, you can do it. Yeah, right. All right, Jackie, you take the next one because I feel like this is up your alley. This article is about the ultimate guide to dark mode for email marketers. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a huge trend. I don't know if anyone else out there listening uses dark mode as well. But it is... I'll explain real quick what it is in case you don't know. It's the reversed color scheme that utilizes light-colored topography. So it's like has the black background. And it's more or less a switch of all the colors that you normally see. So the white now the dark. And I don't know if you guys are seeing this too, but I'm noticing this is like one of the hottest digital design trends. Do either of you use it or no? You know, the only time I use dark mode anything is when I'm reading at night. I'll use like dark mode on my iPad. But as a marketer, this article is super helpful and interesting Mm -hmm. just to go through like all their points and see what you might need to change for your own email marketing. Because I yeah. was I was reading through this and then going back through our newsletters that we send out. And I was like, oh, I should change that. Work, or, yeah. you know, just, just to make sure yeah. that it looks good in both dark and light mode. It actually breaks down like the different pieces of mm-hmm. code you need, the CSS code and all that techie sure. stuff that your I'm, developer I'm hoping love. our CRM people have this as like a default, like you could make sure preview mm-hmm. it when you're creating emails. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it does seem... Like that mode hit the like yeah, dark, hit the like little moon or something a little so you can see both. To, like if you want full control like of everything, it does seem yeah. you, you definitely need to know your CSS skills, which is everyone's yeah. like, you what? What's <laughs> this next one is a, it's a doozy. It's a big boy. It's a big boy. <laughs> so uh, Gartner's top 10 strategic technology trends for 2020, the good, the obvious, the renamed and the missing. And it has the I, I'm so mean. As as like the the grandpa hipster as like the, the stock photo. I love at the this top. image. Those dudes are so. That's just what I aspire to. When <laughs> definitely, I'm, definitely not my dad. When I'm but that age. Yeah. yeah, not my. I don't know how he is, but that's what I want to be like when I'm that that age. And he's fit right. too. He's probably like 75, and he's he's Jack. Yeah, you got the yeah. arm tattoo. I mean, on. I just that's this is great. So I would, I would I don't know if we want to pick a few out of these, but I definitely recommend all of all the marketers listening to read all of these, just so they're mm-hmm. not unfamiliar terms, even though a lot of these you could be like, I'm never going to talk about that ever to anybody. Like yeah. edge, edge computing, <laughs> that, will, that will not be like, just nope, not a real that, house. Like if we were doing like one. server administration and <laughs> developing like all the stuff. But. That and blockchain, I'm like, okay, I'm still struggling to like understand <laughs> blockchain. I mean, I have a better grasp of it today than I did a year ago, but it's still like this lofty like idea it's in like, my head. So I'm always trying to understand it. Definitely. It's like, how does that work? But then like understanding like IoT, like internet of things, like, oh, like everything in our mm-hmm. home will be connected to the internet at some point. <laughs> or the home, like that'll be like 10 years from now, even though I, sometimes you walk into a home that's built in 2019, 2020. And you're like, this home's like the same as it was 40 years ago. Like, yes, code has changed and like efficiencies, but like the lighting, like why is everything not just by default smart? And mm-hmm. I don't mean like an Alexa mm-hmm. bulb or something, but like from the core, like, I don't know, little things like that. So did y'all have any favorite ones on here? It's definitely like, <laughs> it's super techie. Definitely take some okay. reading. <laughs> well, I, I totally agree with the democratization of technology. You know, I'm a huge believer in, you know, access to mm-hmm. technology for, for all people. It's kind of like medicine. It's unless everyone has access to it, what good is it? I also like the idea of non-tech people being able to create things. Like, for example, Canva is one of these things where even if you don't have a design background like Jackie, Mm-hmm. I can still create a decent looking social yeah. media image. So that that's one idea. I, I really like yeah, that one too. Number eight is my favorite, a- autonomous things. I mean, we have a, we, we need to get another one, but we have like the Roomba running around downstairs. It's on a schedule. That's uh-huh. life. And then I keep getting these ads for, I forgot the brand, Husqvarna for the autonomous lawnmower. And we have a little 40 foot lot, 40 foot by like 110, you know, a little tiny thing. And I'm like, that'd be like $700, which might be like, whoa, 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 700 bucks. But I will never yeah. have to mow the yard again. But you'll never and have to mow the yard. installation. Yes. And, it, and it's like 50 oh, yeah. decibels. It runs it. at 3 a.m. in the morning, whatever time you schedule it. I'm like, I'll never have to mow the yard. Oh, like, that is crazy. Like, do it. Like it's, like yeah. this, and that's just, I think, where we're at. The time you the would say. The time save. I would say. Oh. But then I, you know, I need to go outside. So I need to, <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that. But like all these little things that like will be automated that, that will change how we function. Even back to, I keep doing this, I'm like shipped and Instacart, like the grocery delivery, but it's more along 
like the one to two hour delivery for anything that you need. Like I, I don't have to drive this week because I could just click the button. Um, I think those things will influence yeah. us and where we build and what we build in say five, 10 years from now, as that is like the normal thing to do. Like, you know, five years ago going on black Friday, Thursday night or Friday was like, that's what you did five years later. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's, that's kind of a waste of time. You could get the same deal online. Well, five years from now, like, right. what are we going to be doing that used to be like, oh, that's the normal thing you did. And now it's, now it's not, oh, change is so fast. I'll tell you the one that Uh-oh. scares me huh. is, <laughs> is human augmentation. Now mm. I know that it already exists. You know, there's wearables, there's, you know, there's all these things. As we go further with this, I think the initial use for all these things would always be something good. Like it's good for humankind to be able mm-hmm. to detect if you're about to have a stroke. But I'm, t- you know, I get scared because there's always the few who want to take it beyond. I, I just, agree. Just to see how far it can be taken. It's like, I think the original Gartner article talked about construction workers wearing exoskeletons to give oh. them, which is essentially like, you know, some kind of outer mm-hmm. body wear that doubles their strength. I mean, there's versions of it that exist now, yeah. but, but it would like double their human strength. Well, that can easily like just go off the radar and like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, we're talking like transformer thing. Yeah. I'm with you. There's that fine line. I know we talked about, was it the glasses you could put on and having the technology of more or less like a screen, computer Mm -hmm. screen being right there, say the weather, just crazy to think if you have that access to be able to start looking into more, like someone's social security information, like have a breakdown of everyone you see in front of you. Yeah, it's creepy. Just go wild. uh, I think we talked about this, the deep fake technology. That's one one word, D-E-D-E-P-F-A-K-E, yeah. mm-hmm. essentially reskinning someone. If you look up deep fake Lion King, that's like a super tame example, but essentially you could have actors could license their skin and could be played in any movie without actually acting in the movie. So then you could have like, you know, you so think right. about like the, the negative consequences of, of that for anything and, and the way news spreads and whatnot, like. A clone, almost like almost yes, like, like a, a clone, clone and it's like, like super realistic. It's very creepy. Jeff Turner, who was at the summit, he oh, he has like yeah. huge talks on this stuff, and he he is very educated on on all these things. Yeah, he's a good one to follow. He is, on he Twitter. He's is, on yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the news. Here we go. So, whether it's mountains, marinas, or pickleball, Ben Keel from PrivateCommunities.com joins Kevin and I to talk about how to connect lifestyle buyers to lifestyle communities including buyer behavior for this group and some interesting stats. We'll be right back. And we're back with Ben Keel. He is the Director of Sales and Operations for PrivateCommunities.com. Ben, thanks so much for joining us this week. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Now, I have been aware of PrivateCommunities.com for a long time. And I don't want to say a time period because that might be longer than you've been around. But I feel like... but, But I'm also not your target market. So... For those folks listening who aren't familiar with PrivateCommunities.com, just explain to us the service that you provide home builders around the country. Absolutely. Well, PCR is our, our acronym for Private Communities Registry, PrivateCommunities.com. I've hmm. uh, been in business since 1995. We, we call it uh, BT okay. before Google. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> it is a portal website that was originally designed to help connect consumers researching lifestyle communities, hence the word private. Don't let that scare you. And it was designed to help connect people looking for gated golf, luxury retirement, club communities. In its years of of life, we've morphed into a full-service portal site to help basically connect lifestyle buyers with lifestyle communities. So that's why the transition into the builder market is so important to us. Post-recession, there aren't as many golf clubs being built to put homes around it. So that's where we are. So, And I love your... Filter options as you scroll just down on the homepage. There's there's certainly ones that you don't see anywhere else on any other portal. <laughs> like I agree, that's one of my favorites. You're talking about the icons, right? Yes, Where exactly. Like pickleball communities with pickleball, which right. is huge. I follow these, and like mm. the villages are a couple hours from me, and all these other more famous private communities for, for active adults. I'm like, that is a huge thing. 
Like there's so much activity around pickleball. This is amazing. I think developers and builders recognize the value because it's a, it's a lower cost to entry for them to develop the amenity and they can have so many more people participate at the same time. So, yeah, but it doesn't end there. You've got tennis communities, skiing communities, mountain communities, equestrian communities, communities with fishing. So it definitely, if the prospect knows kind of exactly the lifestyle they're looking for, and Andrew and I were both commenting that we really do, we're not just kissing up to you, Ben, because you're here right now. Like it's very, very easy to navigate, very easy to get around and snappy, very quick loading. Like when I just click find communities to pull up the entire list of 281 communities, I feel like this is loading in about half a second. A lot of visual content very engaging. Talk to us about some of the insights or, or things that you're noticing that people are, are using your site to find, or you know, what is the consumer that you're attracting? What are their hot buttons? Absolutely. Well, our audience model is typically the 45 to 65 plus. So they're the, the older Gen X and baby boomers, either planning retirement or in retirement. And they have the wherewithal to be able to afford a lifestyle. So their search, they're finding us through optimization on Google and other search engines mm-hmm. and, and targeting the lifestyle first. We always say they, they start with our site because they're looking for the lifestyle. Once they find the right geography and the right amenities and lifestyle, then they transition down into the uh, transactional, the real estate, and the home, or the, the condo, or the villa, or whatever property might be offered. Mm-hmm. And so it's a consumer, in a lot of cases, that have the intent to relocate from other states. Typically, the majority of the communities on our site are focused within the warmer climates. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a primary retirement, second home, or vacation home to share with families, it's definitely a mature, affluent buyer looking to, uh, again, find that perfect lifestyle. Do you see, Ben, any averages in terms of length of time or number of communities that they seem to be considering or just what some of the the behavior looks like? And what I'm leading you into there is just we know that on average, four to six plus months of, of online research, I'm, I'm, any, any insight as you can give the audience to this rather m- mystifying group of older seasoned citizens who seem to take their time? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, any, anything there that you can share with us? As far as within our industry, we feel that the, the standard has always been reflected at 18-month buying cycle. So from, Say that again? From the, initial, the consumers typically have an 18-month buying cycle. 18. From okay. I'm just making sure we didn't have an issue with lag uh, on the phone line here. <laughs> 18. Wow. 18. 18 months. But that's from our perspective, since we're a lot of times considered a, a top of funnel mm-hmm. uh, lead source, that becomes some of our challenge for ROI because as they make their way down that funnel, there's a lot of attribution that occurs from other resources, which is fine by us because we're part of the plan. But the consumer, because they're they're experienced buyers and they weathered the recession and this is their retirement destination, they take a lot of time to research. Sure. So putting a lot of content in front of them to help them make the right buying decision, I think, is very important for the builders to understand. That's a long time. 18 months, Andrew. That, yeah, what I'm thinking through there is just the amount of content that's necessary to be consistently creating to have something new, certainly not every week, maybe not even every month as they come back again and again to visit your site, but right. more regularly than most marketers want to admit, that content needs to be refreshed or changed. And it's already a challenge when we talk about a six or eight month shopping uh, cycle. When you're talking 18 months, even my head starts to hurt a little bit. Well, now that's anecdotal at best because sure. we are tracking we are tracking the engagement from our site, but there's also an interesting data point of 3.5 communities per conversion. So okay. we have yeah. some super users who are who are requesting brochures as if they were stopping at a turnpike <laughs> toll plaza. Yeah, they just um, want to make sure they have enough kindling to start a fire. Exactly. <laughs> but on the other side of that, there are folks that are dialing in specifically to a a specific geography with a specific amenity, and then they're much more much more direct in their engagement. And we've had instances with a one testimonial where a gentleman converted for a community on our site and flew down and within one week purchased a $90,000 lot. So there, yeah. there are a lot of these stories, but at best, you do have to understand that that buying behavior of the mature consumer is to make a good buying decision and do their research. Yeah. And to that point, so I think 18 months and three and a half communities, those are both 
even at anecdotal, very interesting data points to consider in terms of, you know, there's 281 communities on here, but three and a half ish are making the cut of, I want to learn more about you. And then you have a significant amount of time and, you know, not, not all inside or online salespeople are younger, but overall it does tend to skew towards a younger, more, you know, Hey, I'm going to follow up with you, but I do expect some type of response or interaction. And if you're not mentally shifted to that idea of you, you know, don't be surprised. You, in fact, you almost should be surprised in that instance where someone does decide in 60 to 90 days to make a decision. It shows me like, wow, you're, you know, they're, they're moving pretty quickly. I certainly understand your top of the funnel challenge and attribution too, for everyone listening. Google Analytics only gives you a 90 day look back window in terms of, of what that customer journey looks like. And so unless you're using a third party tool, following that customer journey over 18 plus months would be incredibly difficult. Correct. Let's talk about some of the calls to action that your site uses. Because I'm seeing lots of different things. I'm clicking on different communities where there's the discovery package versus request more information versus what what are you seeing in terms of of what's drawing consumers in, in to take that next step? Well, we took coloring in, into consideration with our call to action buttons. Typically, an orange is a very strong conversion color, believe it or not. And so, so from there, we also try to place them in different areas based on where they're consuming that content. So if someone has drilled into just the, the high level of the community, they request information, that's one thing. But if they're drilling into a discovery package, they've had to take a next action. And then from there, they're interested, they're showing intent to actually visit the community. And there's nothing better for a sales rep on the ground to actually have someone come to visit and explore the community firsthand. There's also an opportunity in some cases to convert at a property level or floor plan level. Mm -hmm. And then there's also testimonials we allow the consumers to place on our site for those that have already made the buying decision. So with that in mind, consumers have the opportunity to engage, but with our measurement tools behind the scenes, we have an administrative portal where our clients can then log in and see everything that occurs. Unlike a newspaper or a billboard, it's just a law of averages. With our site, we can track everything that's occurring, every touch point, every engagement. And we find that's a valuable tool for our clients. A few quick questions for you. How popular are the discovery packages? I just pulled up a few here. This one's for Sailfish Point and Stewart, Florida, golf-oriented community, but it's like the cost of it. I'm like, well, this is like, this would be a great vacation and you get to sample the community. Is that like a common starting point for those that are really considering that community? Yes, and, and I caution anyone who offers a discovery package. I mean, there have been plenty of models where you fly and buy and you sure. pay for the airfare. That's one thing. With our site, because they're looking for the destination, they're relocating, there is a major investment to make it all the way down. Let's say someone from New York converts into Florida. I would caution the builders and developers to not offer freebies. These are people that if they have true intent and true interest to research, they'll spend money on the right community. And you also need to make sure that your language is clear that this is an opportunity to evaluate the community, to visit with an ambassador, visit with a real estate agent, Mm -hmm. sales agent, whatever the language may be. And that way you avoid people that are in the same same eyes looking for a, a nice little getaway weekend with no intent to purchase. So use your time wisely when it comes to discovery packages. But they're extremely effective. Closing rates are through the roof with some of our clients. We have one client in Tennessee who just recently shared 32% of everyone that visits buys. And, wow. and I found that to be wow. extremely uh, impressive number. They have a strong sales team. But the fact that they're tracking that to a 32% margin is pretty strong. That is is very cool. I'm sure the marketers listening are like, well, what happens when a lead comes in through the site? Like who handles it? So what is that typical lead flow? Like they submit it on any of the forms on the website. Is it sent straight to the the builder? Is it handled by you all in some way and then handed off? What does that look like? Well, if there's a pain point for a lead generation company, that's the question. Um, <laughs> our, job, <laughs> our job is to pass the lead. Our job is to help connect with the right consumer at the right time. So when we pass the leads, our clients are allowed to choose if it goes directly to a specific email, a group mm-hmm. of emails. Hopefully, they're driving that data straight into their CRM so they can truly track. Because as you know, data in, data out. And if yep. somebody mistypes a name or an email, that's a lost opportunity. We have been big fans of the new model of uh, internet coordinators or uh, online counselors or whatever the terminology is being used. Because again, the, you need to triage these leads uh, because yeah. they are top of funnel. 
And those coordinators, because they have uh, a separate goal of trying to drive appointments and qualifying the lead versus the on-site sales rep who's trying to convert the lead to a sale, they don't have the permission at that point, in my opinion. So we love the idea of having sales coordinators to, again, I use the word triage. I think it's a great yeah. term for this industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we've seen a lot of success. Now, there are communities where they're passing leads out to multiple real estate agents mm-hmm. and they're using independent CRMs, if you will. I would call them an Excel spreadsheet and I would say <laughs> that that's a big, a big mistake. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, you, you can kind of tell from the feedback from the sales reps, whether or not they're using effective tools to really capture and engage these leads. Yeah. I mean, again, there's two parts to that triage too, that you're mentioning. One is getting that immediate fast response, but then the other is, it's almost like uh, triage into long-term care. Like again, with that time frame, you've you've got to do both. You've got to hit them quickly and consistently over time, which your average salesperson just isn't built to do when they're on the front lines. I totally agree. So please keep reaching that. <laughs> do you convert? Well, yeah. And let's talk about this idea of and versus or, because what I just described is yes, you have to do both, and that freaks companies out to begin with. Wait. So I've got to invest in, in making sure I have a fast, immediate response, and I've got to invest in a long-term nurturing and follow-up process. Yes. Um, oh, it was interesting. I, I always like looking at stuff outside of our industry, too. Uh, Restoration Hardware, which is now just known as RH after their rebrand, but they're opening up like 20 to 30 new giant retail locations. And it's interesting when you consider that they're doing that in what to everyone else looks like the death of retail is happening before our eyes. And yet here's a company whose stock price has more than doubled in the past year. And they're they're certainly going online, but they're also saying that they're placing a pretty huge bet on the overall experience being important at their price point, as well as truly interacting with the product. If you're buying a $10,000 couch, most people want to sit on it before they press the buy button on Amazon today. Mm-hmm. And so there's this weird thing of you can't just do one or the other. And, and I'm wondering if you're seeing, or it sounds like you through the discovery package, just being that, that there's also this, you know, home builders all want to push, f- figure out how to create the buy it now, buy online button, even though that might only account for five to 15% over the next 10, 15 years of, of purchasers. And yet at the same time, I feel like there's this huge discounting of, what that experience of visiting is worth. And I don't know where that's coming from. And this is not a planned question. So I'm asking you on this, on the spot here. I know, uh, do, do you see or feel any of that of, I don't wonder if it's coming from the salespeople who are, uh, there's just kind of this idea of, of we can get rid of models. And I think in some situations you can, if it's not a highly trafficked community, but the idea that models are going away entirely. Do you have any, any thoughts? On that, I think that's a mistake because it's it, you still have to have the tangible at the end of that journey. And again, especially with this boomer model, the, these folks, these folks are trust but verify. <laughs> so I think you need yeah. to put the product in front of them before they're going to sign on the dotted line. The younger generations, maybe it maybe that tr- translates down the road 10, 15 years from now. But I would say that the experience has to include into the journey. The mistake I think that occurs from the sales side, though, is, is the lack of qualifying at the initial stage, understanding what are the goals of the consumer. I see so yeah. many times that a sales team will respond with an auto reply from one of our leads where we are copied by mistake. <laughs> and uh, they're saying, hi, I've got house one, house two, and house three. Which one do you want to buy? I'm here on Saturday. And they're not even addressing the notes that the consumer gave that says, I'll be in your area in two months. I plan to visit my grandchildren. I understand you have a 55 plus community. I would love to see what it has to offer. And again, I think it just boils down to sales 101. If you skip steps in the sales cycle, you're going to pay the price down the road. Are most of the people who are decision makers of whether community joins privatecommunities.com or not, do you find that they're from the sales end of leadership or marketing? 
marketing. I would say 95 to 99% of the time we're dealing with marketing folks. And it starts within within the builder model of our business. It's a lot of times the coordinator's uh, task to start looking for resources. And then it moves up the chain to the marketing manager, marketing directors. And, and what I find really interesting in the builder side is the different regions, markets for different builders, large national chains, in fact, where one marketing director is using an ad agency and another is not, and one marketing director has a coordinator and one does not. And, and it's just, it's the symmetry between the processes are different. So I think that that plays a big role in, again, measuring the success of an overall marketing campaign. And then in long-winded, but I will say that I think there's a, sometimes a failure that the marketing directors buy a resource or, or choose a privatecommunities.com and they fail to educate the sales team on what this consumer looks like. So it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, that, it's, it's, you're heading right where I was going, which is oh, at the end yeah, of that's perfect. After six months or a year of being on there and X number of leads have been delivered and the sales team says, yeah, but those were all, no one responded to us. No one got back to us. And it's because partially of that email auto reply that you're talking about. Do you feel like marketers, should have some not not skin in the game, but awareness, uh, access to the CRM to audit some of those responses, so that kind of like everyone is held accountable. Even accountable is not not the right word, but understanding after six months or a year, did the is the failure because of PCR or the failure because of how we've responded to these leads? Well, I'll give you I'll give you three pronged approach. So Ooh. our consumers have the opportunity to fill out a form. They have an opportunity to email directly or they can pick up the phone and actually dial. And we've tested call rail in cases with clients with approvals to do call recording. And it is extremely scary to hear someone calling, wanting to know more information about the dog park that's being built. When will it be built? And someone says, what dog park? And we don't have a dog park and the consumer immediately. So as a sales manager, I hear that and it scares me or not being able to address the real concerns about what a floor plan offers, you know, from, from the call in or the email. And at the end of the day, you know, what's happening is, is the, the marketers are just running reports. And in many cases, they're getting anecdotal feedback from the sales reps and the Mm -hmm. sales reps. Well, I called a lot of those leads from that resource and none ever purchased, but they're basing that on anecdotal feedback and not empirical data. Run that report in your CRM. Tell me how many times did you actually call these leads? Tell me how many times did they engage? What is the buying cycle? It's again, I'm I'm not preaching from our perspective that I'm I'm frustrated, but I'm frustrated. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it does. Even I mean, yeah. larger home builders that we work with will ask questions like, okay, well, what percentage of those leads are responsive versus non-responsive? Oh, uh, we haven't really looked at it that way. Yeah. What I what I find interesting that I'll share with you, and, and if I'm stepping on your toes, no, no. I apologize. But we recently started mapping relocations. So this is something that all builders can do. I recently shared this with another CRM to contribute. Mm-hmm. And we can run all of our database. So we took 100,000 records from our database over the last several years. And we said, tell us if any of these relocated within the last five years. 25,000 people relocated, meaning that through the national change of address, this is something that's available, it's very affordable. You can run an old database through that database, through the national change of address, to see did any of those addresses change. Hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they purchase, but this shows intent of a move. Fair right. enough? Right. And then from there, we can now then take that relocation data and we're dropping it into a mapping tool where we can visualize. And then from there, I drop pins of where each of our communities are located. And it's it's mind-boggling because communities that have said, no, none of these leads converted, our sales team just didn't feel they were working, they may have had five to 10 sales within a, a 12-month period. Once that ball started rolling down the hill and building some momentum and they're moving through the sales funnel, yep. and I always ask the question to the builder, what's the value, not the cost per lead, What's the value of a sale in your marketing budget? If you can sell one $300,000 home, what is the value of that back to your marketing budget? So, so we're using that tool to help justify ROI and, and kind of prove attribution of the overall marketing plan. I love it. I've said this a couple of times lately that when I was younger and dumber and someone would ask me, what is an industry average cost per lead? I would tell them a number. 
and now I've, I've, I've grown up as a coach or trainer. I don't know what I am, but I, I don't do that anymore because it doesn't matter in the sense of you cost per lead matters, but only after you're already hitting your sales goals, right? So your point of as long as I am spending enough marketing dollars it, that I, my cost per sale works and I'm getting enough of them, then I can afford to go backwards, kind of reverse the funnel process from the bottom to the top and say, I'm going to make each part more efficient. But if you don't get enough sales to begin with, the company is going to go out of business or something else is going to change that you might not like. And so cost per lead is something you can, you can work on improving, but only after you have greased the wheels enough that you are getting the sales results that, that you need. And yeah. so when people start out at cost per lead, or they just think, well, the industry average is 250 and I'm at uh, 200, so I'm good. Well, not if you're not getting enough sales, you're not good. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And if you're measuring your referral traffic and not taking the time to understand the KPIs, the time on site, the bounce rate, again, kind of you know, bragging here a little bit, but we have several clients that recently conver- confirmed that they have a bounce rate of 12% or lower from our Whoa. referral traffic. That's, so, uh, so that's an engaged buyer. That's an engaged audience. And then the thought that you can then continue to retarget and remarket to that buyer once we've handed the baton down the path. Again, we're, we're part of the four by 100. We don't take credit for the whole win, but we are part of your win. I'm just going to add a little sarcasm and humor and say that maybe the bounce rate is so low because they don't know how to open up a new tab or click anywhere <laughs> else, right? I'm, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. My, my dad is... My parents are in their mid seventies, and they're as technologically literate as my brother, who's in his fifties. So, absolutely, I, I know absolutely. that's a stereotype that's not true. Speaking of uh, conversion rates and cost per lead, Ben, you could probably see because I always say like the the product, what is actually being sold, the location, you know, has just as much influence on the cost per lead and conversion rates as the marketing strategy, strategy, and, and pictures being used and the buttons being pushed and say Facebook ads. On your end, you could see like, okay, well, Arkansas versus Delaware versus Montana, typically the conversion rates are XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. And then even within a market, you could probably just based on your experience of looking at so many communities for years and years, like you'll like know, okay, this community is not going to have any trouble selling at all. Um, Is there any insight that you could give builders as far as just looking at that? Like what are things that we might be missing that you would give feedback to? to your clients. What you're getting to is if you think, you mentioned earlier the Villages. The Villages is not our client. They've never been our client. They've done so well with their marketing and I give them tons of credit. They've built a, a Disneyland for active adults. And there's have been lots and lots and lots and lots of uh, press about them. And I think they've, they've capitalized on that reputation. That being said, when I run my relocation data, in the last five years, I have 289 of our users who relocated within their community. Hmm. And so when I look at that data, what is it that they're offering? Again, they're offering a carefree lifestyle. People worked hard their whole life. They're starting to absorb the idea of fun in the sun, low taxes, highly amenitized. But again, the big ones that are happening right now, tons of lifestyle opportunities for wellness and activity. There are tons of opportunities to enjoy social engagement. It's an instant group of friends. So when we see communities that have focused on building a social environment, a wellness environment, low-cost living, low-maintenance living, lock-and-go to be able to fly to Europe and enjoy themselves, come back, and everything's still in place, and they still have their granite countertops, <laughs> that that in itself tells us that there's going to be success. And then again, proximity to healthcare, proximity to travel, um, conveniences, and bars and restaurants. Let's not forget, we all want to have a craft beer one, once a while. And, <laughs> and those, when you see those dynamics occurring and the developers are savvy enough to place themselves in the middle of it, we know that there's going to be success. Awesome. Ben, I, we had a little couple technical issues that got us off to a late start, but we are definitely bringing you back, sir, because... This episode is brought to you by privatecommunities.com and data. So, I mean, you know, Ben, you're just kind of saying it like, well, we, we do this thing and we have this data. And even just that, I applaud the effort of understanding the importance of, of being able to have and use a tool like that. Even if it is, again, not perfect. It's telling you a lot that 
other people just want to use their gut to, to kind of go where the wind will blow them. So thanks again for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Well, my pleasure. Look forward to another opportunity. We'll give you some updates. We're heading down the path of identity resolution, tying that Ooh. in with our Claritas demographic prism profiles to understand our market and our, our, our consumer even more. So uh, we appreciate the opportunity to share. Oh, my gosh. That was a good tease. I, I want to hear was. about all that like, now. <laughs> all right, Ben. Thanks. Thanks again. We'll, we'll have you back on soon. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you guys at IBS. I hope. I hope to meet you Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. We'll see you there. All right. See you. Yeah. And we're back. That was great, Ben. We'll definitely have to have you on again. It's really interesting to see how the uh, creative use of the data, especially when we talked about like the icons on the site where you could like really navigate what each community has, can tell like a the, the story more efficiently and just weaving those things into like your whole site and your marketing strategy. It's really cool. Yeah. Data should always be part of your content strategy and your obviously your marketing strategy. Data tells a story if you look at it close enough. That's a beautiful quote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do a new question of the week. So we just spent some time talking about technology and we're curious. What new technologies are you looking forward to using in 2020 to enhance the home buying or home shopping experience? You can head over to the Market Proof Marketing Facebook or LinkedIn group and we'll put a poll there. And we'd love to see what you're looking forward to in 2020. Great, great. Can't wait to see. That's right. And don't forget, we do have the call-in number. I want more people to call in because that's more exciting. It makes me feel like I'm talking to everybody all the time. So you could call in and leave a voicemail with questions, comments on anything we just talked about as far as the episode or really anything in general. Call us at 404-369-2595. All right. Well, that does it. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and the like. All of them. See ya. See ya. Bye.